Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about adapting Dungeons & Dragons, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you show the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, on this podcast, we like to talk about games, and one type of game that we have spent quite a lot of podcasts talking about is uh, Dungeons & Dragons and tabletop role-playing games in general, right? We are huge fans of D&D and Pathfinder and all like the various offshoots that have kind of spawned since then. Um, and evidently, the rest of the world are also fans of it because there is a movie in production right now. Now, the movie was set to be directed by Chris McKay of Lego Batman fame, but there's also some reporting that he may have dropped out of the project. Um, but, you know, it got us thinking a little bit about if, you know, if we were consultants on the D&D movie, if we were thinking about making our own, you know, movie version of that core tabletop experience, if... Any, if if we were thinking about adapting that tabletop experience into some other medium, what were the things that would be necessary uh, in order to make that adaptation a success? And, and, and um, along with this, the uh, uh, Critical Role just had a Kickstarter for an animated version of their show, um, incredibly successful actual play of uh, of, a, of a tabletop game. And so this all kind of fell into the mix. Um just if uh, for for those sitting at home, if some of this sounds a little bit weird, uh, we had about fifteen minutes of discussion last week. If you notice, there was an episode missing last week because I was sick. I was hacking through through most of it, so we decided to 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 rest. Uh, Buddy was kind enough to let me rest and uh, fifteen dollar tears on our non existent Patreon. <laughs> yeah, right. For real, uh, <laughs> I, I still have the um, file. If anybody wants to hear me like cough and be miserable <laughs> for fifteen minutes. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, um, but yeah, so uh, just to kind of bring up some of the stuff from that that first uh, edition, um, I, I think kind of the, the the most prescient thing was uh, you, you you kind of asked the question uh, as you phrased it here. What would we? What would you do if you were in charge of the D and D movie? Um, and I think the the first thing to to, to say is is the, the the fundamental oddity with doing something like uh, an adaptation of Dungeons and Dragons is that Dungeons and Dragons is in itself in a way uh, a tabletop adaptation of the classic fantasy stories right of Tolkien of uh uh Warhammer of yeah. of everything that followed that right like it, it, it's 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 the desire to transmute the stories of sword and sorcery that you get in other media into a, an experience that you could play, um, you know, uh, in, in a way that with with more freedom than than a video game gives you. So, in that regard, trying to just adopt a story from the table back out into a movie is kind of, in my mind, like a fool's errand, right? Like at that point, you you want to adopt like an existing written property, right? Something like uh, like Ari Salvatore's series or, or something like that. So, I think central to this needs to be kind of a Stranger Things-ish type element, which is, uh, you know, it's about people playing the game, um, and uh, and and uh, how how that works. I'm 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 picturing in my mind kind of like a maybe like a coming of age story where um, it's our our teenage protagonists sitting around the table, and uh, the adventures they go on are allegories for various troubles they have in their lives as they come of age, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it sounds it it's 
it sounds cheesy in my head because I, I, I guess I'm not capable of of uh, of kind of imagining this in a serious way. But I think I think it could make for uh, an entertaining kind of like the PG-13 coming of age movie. Uh, what about you? What are, what are your thoughts? So, so I kind of think there are two ways to tackle it. Uh, the first way, if you were to go that route, I think the the kind of template is something a little bit along the lines of like the Lego movie, right? Where, you know, like there is sort of like a diegesis and a non-diegesis inside of like the diegesis of the movie. Diegesis being the term for like in the world of the story, right? But it's kind of got like... You know, if there are two layers deep of that, where, you know, there is the Dungeons and Dragons kind of movement through the game world, but it's reflected up into a kind of real world layer that is then reflected up into, like, the movie, if that makes sense. Another good example of this is the Jumanji movie that just recently came out, um, which was a video game where, you know, like, the, the players were all high school students and, like, the high school was part of the diegesis of the film. Uh, I That is actually not my preferred way to go about it. I think that it would be... I would be more interested in a version that plays it straight which isn't to say like that just plays that just like goes kind of um you know like that goes like back in time and does like the copy of a copy of a copy of lord of the rings or something along those lines but i do think that there is something explicit to the sort of narrative construction of you know like a dungeon diving team that is uh that can be and that is like reminiscent of how dungeons and dragons works um without kind of being sort of like rote if that makes sense you know what i mean like a version of things where like let's say like the the story starts out kind of like in media res where you have like a party and it's like a typical party and it's a fighter a cleric a rogue and a wizard or whatever you know um more if you think that like a ranger is necessary or like any of these other kinds of things right and they're moving through a dungeon and there's not really great reason for why but like slowly over the course of the film you get certain flashbacks Right. So like even though the setup is that these are people that have just kind of met in a tavern, they all have their own individual personalized reasons for wanting to go into this dungeon and over the course of the story, you know, like over the course of this story of them moving through the dungeon or whatever, um, they like those personal revelations come to light which is almost like a you know like that that plot structure is like a noir right but i think that that mirrors a lot of the effect of what playing a DD game looks like for people right where you just kind of say everybody's in the tavern somebody comes in and hires you and then over the course of you know like over the course of your adventuring career you almost kind of like backfill reasons why this stuff is all of a sudden like important and i think you could just pull that off narratively you just play that absolutely kind of like earnestly do you know what i mean so so no acknowledgement of like the dice behind the screen or any like that that, that, yeah 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 it's it's not an acknowledgement of the dice behind it but it's kind of okay so like um so you know mostly most of the time in D &D, this is all like improv right where we are you know, the the characters are kind of amorphous at first, but as time goes on, we reveal things about them. Like, we learn about the characters and we improv, like, a backstory into them to a certain extent. And right. that comes out and it starts influencing, like, the characters and everything like that. Well, hypothetically, right, like, if you look at that inside of the, like, not as a narrative process, but inside of the, like, the narrative construction of 
a, a story of Dungeons and Dragons, what we have improved is always true, right? It's just that it only gets revealed after the fact in a flashback, right? Sure. That's what a that's what a flashback is. So that's my that's my core pitch. You know what I mean? You try and capture that like. The, pl- the characters are pretty broad and generic and don't have a good reason for doing this at first, but slowly start kind of unraveling, almost in the kind of like, you know, um, uh, like almost like murder on the Orient Express would be a good way of like, that's probably like the closest narrative construction I can think of to this sort of thing where like there is more than meets the eye to what's going on. Um, until sure. you kind of get to the you know like the end of it and it's clear that everybody is you know a well developed personally invested character in like whatever this dungeon run sort of thing is and then along the way you get to do all of your cool you know D&D action beats where they're trying to move through a room that's full of traps um or you know they have a boss fight with a beholder, or you know like whatever it is. So why? How is this D and D? Like you know, and I don't mean that as like a, uh, like a, a slight, just kind of like is is it by setting? Are we like in Faerun? Is it like you know you fight beholders, which is copyright Wizards of the Coast? Um, I mean, you know, like maybe that stuff is fine. The the core D and D thing that I'm highlighting here is like the narrative structure of that thing sure. where you have broad characters that get more specific over time. Right, uh, okay. and you just and you just adopt that into it, and you do it all before you know, like beforehand. In a in a D and D game, typically that stuff is all improved, um, where right. you know, like so, the character relationships are like kind of dynamic or whatever. But like insofar as you are just taking that plot structure out of a D and D game and putting it into a movie, it doesn't have to be improv in order for that to be the case. Sure. So so I, I guess kind of the backing question to this then is is why are we are we kind of making this movie in the first place, right? Are we trying to capitalize on the quote-unquote D&D craze, the thing that I'm not super convinced of, but it's the thing that you hear about? Um, uh, are, are we just trying to tap it? Like, is it trying to market, I guess, to to, to that segment? Because basically I'm, tr- what I'm trying to ferret out is why we're calling this a Dungeons & Dragons movie and not like, you know, Adventures in Invented yeah. Fantasy Name Land. I mean, you know, I, I the... the if you want to put a D&D or even like a Pathfinder or whatever coat of paint on top of it, um, you know, if this is set in Galarian and references, you know, Serenre or something like that, like I don't think anybody would be angry. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but the core, the core thing that I'm trying to capture is that like that ongoing narrative feeling of what it feels like to play a campaign, right? Like sure. what does the narrative structure of a campaign look like? And we're gonna and we're gonna translate that over. Um, insofar as that's the case, I think that there's a big market for that kind of thing. Uh, not in, in in the sense of like the D and D fan base, but I do think that it's the sort of thing that just attracts people to um, like these kinds of stories and that kind of storytelling. In a certain sense, what you're saying when you're doing when you're when you're adopting a, a plot structure like this is that you really are making it a character-driven piece because the story is you know there there can be twists, there can be turns, kind of whatever, right? 
Um, but the story is mostly defined and kind of fundamentally defined by discovering the characters and learning more about these characters. Um, and I think people respond to that in the same way that people responded to, you know, like the friendship between Legolas and Gimli in Lord of the Rings, or people responded to, you know, the friendship between Captain America and Bucky Barnes in, you know, the captain america movies or something kind of along those lines like that's just something that that i think has a lot of appeal i suppose from an from an audience point of view sure i i like i'm like i've been saying i i think that the thing that gives me pause about this is what well, why is it dungeons and dragons um if if we're not going to 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 play to any of the the things that recognize this as like uh, as its own phenomenon, right? And like, I think you can get there by making it in Faerun, by making it in Galarian, by making it one of one of these established worlds. I think you can get there by um, doing what I suggested. I think you can. I mean, I was just thinking about this. Like, even do like a Western take on an Isekai if you're familiar with that, um, which is for the people at home is a uh, a fairly popular anime genre where it's basically like trapped in an MMO. Um, but you, you know, tweak it a little bit for Dungeons and Dragons. But I do think you need something that ties it specifically to kind of the D and D mythology. Otherwise, you're just making a generic fantasy movie. Um, and See, not there's anything think, wrong. I don't with think that. generic fantasy movies have that same plot structure. I mean, it could right? Like, there's nothing yeah. about the plot structure that is that is unique unique to D and D, right? You you could put it in anything else. The only like the thing that makes it unique to D and D is that it is improved, right? Like, you know. If you want to tell me that the D&D movie should be an improv show with a bunch, you know, which which is essentially what Critical Role is, it's what campaign is, it's what all these these kind of actual plays are, um, are improv shows. And I think that's what kind of makes them so popular is that you get talented people um, to do basically a, a fantasy-themed improv show that lasts for, you know, 100 hours. Right. Um, but I think that you ne- – I think you need – I think you need something that, that, that ties it to the D&D mythos to, to make it worth, like, the name D&D movie. And, and I, I take your point that, like, you can evoke some of that with, with the structure, but I don't think that structure is, is uh, you, you uh, recognizably unique enough, right? Like, I feel like if you made that movie and you didn't call it the D&D movie, no one would pick up that this was, a, was, suppo- was you know, supposed to be a D&D thing, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, see, I don't think that that's the case. Well, I mean, I, I feel like if you made that movie, people would be like, that's a lot like playing, you know, like, that's a, what a lot of campaigns look like, like, narratively speaking. Um, I mean, I, I don't, <clears throat> like, if you called the D&D movie maybe like I, I, you like, I mean you don't you don't think that there have been movies that have structures that are like wow that reminds me a lot of playing a D game um so i'm going to say that if i thought about it in those terms yes and that's exactly my point right like you know these movies exist and we don't call them D movies and so making another movie in that style doesn't make it a D movie yeah, but I so I mean hypothetically the movie is just called the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Like I agree with you that this is a narrative that this is a narrative structure that can be applied to more things than just the D and D movie. Sure. But I feel like if you took this and and made a movie about it and called it the Dungeons and Dragons movie, that is sufficiently Dungeons and Dragons enough. Do you think that you need you need like a beholder in there to make that work? Um, I. I... I think you need more than the structure, and I think if if it's too light, if it's just a beholder, 
people are going to be like, "What the shit is this?" Right? Like this isn't Dungeons and, like this is this is a fantasy movie. This isn't this isn't need the Dungeons like the Dungeons and Dragons logo on it, right? Like the thing that makes the Lego movie work in part is that they're all made of Legos, and you can see that, and they do a couple gags based around the fact they're all made of pieces rather than being you know flesh and blood. So um, I think the Lego movie and the D&D movie have the same sort of, like, commercial basis, but I don't think they have the same kind of, like, narrative base. Like, the Legos are a physical product that sure. Dungeons & Dragons isn't, right? Like, Dungeons & Dragons is willed to being by our collective imagination, right? Like, do you think it should be an, a, a stop-motion animated movie built around no. minifigures? No, no, I, I, don't think yeah. the, I don't think the physicality. I, I think, like... Even if you made a Faerun movie, I feel like, I feel like a like a Faerun movie would be a Dungeons and Dragons movie in the same way that like, you know, Driz Dorden's books are D and D books. Like, yes, kind of, but not really. Right, they're just fantasy books that share a setting that you can play a TTRPG in. Uh, I feel like if you want it to be a D and D movie, you, you need you need to like have have kind of like the the uh, the, the, the the mechanics. Of the game in there somehow. So um, I think that you can represent the mechanics on screen without like showing dice rolls. You know what I mean? And I think that that is also a big part of all of this, if it makes sense. Um, like you could, th- and I actually think that this would be a pretty interesting way to like write like the script. Like let's say that there is no kind of out like meta piece of the puzzle, sure. right? But you construct it like with a meta piece of the puzzle in the sense that you are rolling skill checks for people sort of things. Right. Or like you should be able to go through the movie and watch each of the different characters do things. And you can tell like he just failed his bluff check or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I I feel like if you're going to do that without actually kind of like showing it in some way, right. Like, you don't like, like nodding to it in some way. Then I, I feel I feel like it's 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 kind of wasted. I think you can nod to it inside of the context of the universe without having to do like a whole meta layer. In a certain sense, you know, like uh, for instance, I think part of this is just memes or whatever, where it's like somebody is eager to move into the next room and the you know like the door is locked and there's a little bit of written text on the door and they read the text and it's explosive runes and then somebody's like we need to trap all we need to check all these doors for traps why is our rogue not checking the door for traps or something kind of you know what i mean like kind of along those lines yeah so 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 how what what kind of what, what do you think the tenor of this movie is do you think it's like a fantasy epic cuz i think that's hard to do with, like, uh, I wouldn't call it a fantasy epic um, because I wouldn't want to do something like I, – I think the point is to do something small. I mean, hypothetically speaking, if they want to turn it into a fantasy epic, that's kind of like fine or whatever. Um, but just uh, – you know, like I feel like something something small like we're just going to clear this dungeon to get treasure to do whatever. And then it's really about the characters. What do they want to do with the treasure? What about the bad guy who has the treasure is important? You know, X, Y, Z, all of the all of the kind of like in between sort of things, um, which is why I, it's more of like a mystery and like a noir from like that plot structure standpoint. Um, so it's not you know Legolas and Gimli at the Battle of Minas Tirith, right? It is it is just uh, a group of adventurers doing kind of a dungeon dive, and then you're kind of like recreating that sort of. Um, like the characters get more defined and more nuanced as time goes on because you're revealing more and more about who they are and in the sense of like their backstory and stuff like that. Um, But I definitely think that it makes a lot of sense to make lots of 
you know, not like call, like callbacks, um, but just kind of to have like hallmark things that happen in Dungeons and Dragons stories, uh, like in those dungeony kinds of stories. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Are there any movies that have already come out that you think of as being like this is a really good representation of what like a D and D game is like? Um, nothing. Nothing. No, nothing that's like a real movie, right? Like when, when I think of D and D movies, I think that there's um I for, I think it, I think the group might be called the might have been called the Guild or something, but there's I, I a friend showed me several. Um, yeah, it, the web series. That's about an MMORPG. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something different than it's. Essentially, it's essentially the the model I laid out, right? Where like, um, you have a group of friends playing around a table, and um, and the the most like you know ninety percent of the story is them in character talking, but you derive a lot a lot, a lot of humor from like you know, uh, the the uh, kind of like the the way that things like are. Uh, you know the real world and the game reality don't match, right? Like, we're, we're so like do you see? Of... Do you see this as kind of like a like a twenty one Jump Street sort of like send up almost like like a, a feature length filmed version of the Community D and D episodes? Um, yeah, I think that could work. I think I think that that's okay. I think the be- like it's either that or the Isekai version where like you've got one character who's like this is Dungeons and Dragons, everybody else being like, what doth Dungeons and Dragons be? Mm-hmm. Come with me on on my on my holy quest, right? Like, and I think that could get tired real quick, but I think it could be doable. But I think the I think the you know feature length community episode is the uh, is kind of the way to do it. I actually think it'd be really funny if that was the community movie. Um, you know, like wow. six seasons. I mean, they already did two. They already did two community D and D episodes. But I mean, Harmon Quest is is a. You know, sure, it's a whole thing. No, I mean, like just on a meta level, I think it'd be funny. You know, the six seasons in a movie meme, right? Like they got six seasons, they haven't done the movie. If the movie was just a D and D episode, right? Like I think would be, I think just I just think that'd be funny conceptually. But yeah, I think I think part of this is also hard in the sense that, like, like to a certain extent, this is kind of like the success and failure of like the Warcraft movie in yeah. a way, where it's like um, one of the things I like about the Warcraft movie is that it didn't go for the typical sort of like high fantasy narrative right like the original script of that movie was basically just the horde are bad guys the alliance are good guys kind of front to back um and then the director duncan jones who played a lot of world of warcraft and understood the warcraft story um got involved and made it more of the kind of like two side two like two sympathetic sides at war uh thing right like that was that was the big contribution that like he made and that was ultimately like the plot structure of like the warcraft movie and any of the failings of the warcraft movie like aside i feel like that is the only way that you could play it straight like if you wanted to do it straight you really have to adopt not just the trappings right you can't just remake you know what i mean like the Lord of the Rings or whatever, but put it in Faerun and call that the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I think it's really important that you also adopt over that like narrative structure construction, um, the, the scaffolding and all of the, all of the pieces that keep uh, like a D and D narrative interesting. Cause otherwise I think you just kind of get rote, you know, boring generic, 
fantasy. You know what right. I mean? No, no, uh, I, because I, that, because in a lot of ways, I think that's what tabletop games are, and the thing that makes them. Yeah like, interesting over time is that ability to kind of, like, improv and create, you know, I mean, uh, the, sort of personal interactions between the characters and stuff like that. The thing that makes them interesting is the participatory element, right, which is something you're going to lose in movies. This is why, this is why at the top of it, I said that I don't think that, that just doing a story, a fantasy story in the style is the right thing to do because, because tabletop RPGs are basically attempting to adapt fantasy stories to an interactive medium. See, but I th- so the thing is, is that I of, think it's, that it's like, interaction fundamentally changes the narrative structure of those things, and so it is. And so you don't wipe that part away; you transfer that part because that's the important part, right? I think. Do you, you, do you like, see what I'm saying? I, I see what you're saying, but I don't. I don't think that makes that makes for a, like. I, I think essentially what you're doing is the spiritual equivalent of of taking Lord of the Rings, translating it to Chinese, and translating it back to English. Um, for the purposes, for for what purpose? I, I I don't know. I think you're just better. So off so here so here's my here's my my construction. Right, you have Lord of the Rings, right? And then you have a group of people who say, "I want to play Lord of the Rings," and they have a tabletop game or whatever. Sure. The the process of adapting Lord of the Rings to Lord of the Rings to the tabletop game, right, fundamentally changes the narrative structure because of that sure. participatory interactive element, right? The narrative structure of the game becomes that more character focused and it's about revealing more about these characters and their motivations and their interactions over like over the course of the movie. When you adapt from that setting into movie the thing i'm highlighting is that that change that happens on a narrative not on a meta level right sure with actual people interacting but on a narrative level what the effect of that interaction has on the construction of the story itself that's my pitch right you you have to make sure that that construction that the the reconstruction essentially of the story around the interactive elements gets transferred over wholesale. Oh, I, so I get that, but I don't think that makes it a uniquely D and D movie, right? Like I think that like you're basically, you know, that sounds kind of like Memento, right? Like, and you know that you know obviously that movie is very different from from the thing you're describing, but like there 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 are other things that that act that way you can write stories like that and they can be very compelling and so that that, that makes this not a like a, a uniquely D thing and so i think the effort is kind of wasted so i think point. so the the thing that makes it uniquely D is applying it in a way it's sort of like a genre fusion right in the way that like firefly is a western plus sci-fi or something kind of along those lines sure. this is sort of like a noir plus a fantasy story right um Right, so, and so that is, and so like you sh- that that plot structure also exists in other places. That's fine, uh, but like it is the it is that effect of becoming uh, more like o- over time, seeing the characters grow and change with the releases of these like snippets of information. Do you know what I mean? Such that you put to you can put together that like at the end of the movie all of these characters are a lot more nuanced and interesting than they were at the very beginning, which is the the common thread among the narrative construction of D&D games. Sure. I just think if you do that that doesn't that doesn't make it recognizably D&D. Like I I think like I think that, that that's a very compelling 
you know, fantasy story concept. But I don't see. I don't think that's the thing that makes it into a a thing that I would say this is the D and D movie, and this is recognizably D and D. Is that because like do do you think people don't have a sense of like narrative structure? They wouldn't be able to put it together. No, I just don't think it's unique. Like I don't think that narrative structure is something that's unique to D and D. I mean, there's like, not a lot that's unique to D and D. Even beholders aren't unique to D and D. Dragons and dungeons are not unique to dra- dungeons like, this, and this dragons. This is exactly my point. This is. Th- this is, this is exactly my point. D&D is, is, is an interactification of existing stories. To make it uniquely D&D, you have to lean on the fact that it's a game and like pull those elements into the overarching story. I feel like that's saying the only way you can make a, a Warcraft movie is to have Warcraft, a meta layer with a guild or war, something war, that are war, like raiding Warcraft Black Rock Mountain. Warcraft has its own unique lore, right? And you could do that too, right? You could tell the story of Drizzt Doerden. You could tell the story of the res- Red Wizards of Thay. You could, I don't know, tell the story of Vecna. And you could call that a D&D movie. And I think that that would be fine. I just think it'd be a little bit weird because D&D is broader based than Faerun or any one of those stories, right? World of Warcraft has a single, a singular central thread running through it with a bunch of side stories on it. So you can tell, the, you can tell that story and it makes for a, a, a decent narrative. D&D doesn't have a centralized story um, but it does have a centralized too. story structure. That's the that's the point I'm making. No, I, I and, and, and that I structure, that, and I agree I with you that that, that structure that, is not unique. But I do think that that is a recognizably D and D thing. Uh, you want to you want to make a movie where somebody comes out of it and be like, "Wow, that reminds me a lot of playing a game." Right? This is somebody who took my D and D game and outside of the beer and pretzels and outside of the scheduling so, conversations so, uh, on Facebook, we just translated that onto the screen. And I don't think that that looks like The Hobbit. Or I mean, well, funnily enough, I actually like The Hobbit because I do think The Hobbit feels like a tabletop game or whatever. But I don't think that that looks like generic fantasy. Do you so, know what I so mean? So I, I, think, I think the thing that we're going to disagree on here is that that sounds like that sounds like a D&D campaign, but that doesn't sound like like the like the Dungeons and Dragons movie, right? Like, by your kind of construction, is going to be like a canonical campaign, right? And that feels weird to attach to Dungeons and Dragons as a name, right? Like, if you wanted to call this the Tales of Drizzt, right, and tell Drizzt's story, I think that kind of your mode for doing that, if you know, instead of following Ari Salvatore's books. You kind of build it the way you're saying and say, this is how we get the feel of D&D. We're tying it to an established story. That way we kind of get like some familiar beats and people. I think that that works. I think that works as a D&D movie. I'll, I'll give you that, but I wouldn't call that the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I'd call that, you know, Dungeon, Wizards of the Coast presents a Dungeons and Dragons tale, you know, the Crystal Shard, uh, which is the, the first book that Ari Salvatore ever wrote um, for the, for Drizzt, I believe. Um, uh, if, I'm making a thing that I'm calling the Dungeons and Dragons movie or Dungeons and Dragons. I'm going to make a thing that is uh, that that is essentially more tied to the tabletop experience. And because because you because the the common experiences to everybody who plays the tabletop game aren't um, aren't specific campaigns, right? Like you know. It's it's uh, it's 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 kind of like this collection of mechanics and that feeling that you're that you're saying. I think in that case, you want to focus in on more kind of like a uh, this this diegesis this anti diegesis model that that we laid out at the beginning. I think these are two two different approaches, but I don't think 
the one that you're talking to makes sense to call the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Does that make I, sense? See, I disagree with that because, like, I don't think I, in a sense, I don't think protecting the uniqueness of it is that important, right? Like, it is okay, essentially, that the narrative structure that you are taking for the D and the Dungeons and Dragons movie or whatever, it's recognizably Dungeons and Dragons, even if it is not unique to Dungeons and Dragons. Like, just because that narrative structure could exist outside of the context doesn't mean that, like, there isn't a real connection between the two of them. Do you know what I mean? I mean, in I, a certain I, sense, it's almost kind like, of like I don't think that I don't think that's sufficient to make it a Dungeons and like to make it feel like Dungeons and Dragons. Right? So like, yeah, I feel but, like so, a thing that I would call Dungeons and Dragons, right? I feel like that's kind of saying that the only way that you can make like a comic book movie is to like reference a little kid reading a comic book. Do you know what I mean? You can take the narrative structure of a comic book movie with like interladen continuity and all of that stuff and put that on. like put that on screen right and it's not even direct adaptations in the sense of like you know this is is the difference right like if you took captain america the first avenger and called it the marvel comics book movie that would be weird right like that wouldn't that's not what you would call that movie you'd call it captain america right like this is the the fundamental difference I'm, i'm i'm kind of driving at if you were making something called the marvel comics comic books movie you'd probably it'd probably be like a Stanley biopic or something, right? Like it, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't call that, th- you wouldn't call, you you wouldn't take a storyline from one of the comics and call it the Marvel Comics books movie. I mean, in insofar as Marvel Comics as a thing, I like, I actually do think that that is possible. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, I feel like if you're, if you're describing Dungeons and Dragons, it just, it just depends on how you're describing Dungeons and Dragons. If you're describing Dungeons and Dragons as the medium you have to do the meta level, right? But I, mean, I think that, that you can evoke the. Yeah, I think you can evoke the feeling of playing a campaign, right? Without going into it on a on that meta level. Sure, but then you, you don't call people, it the Dungeons and Dragons movie, right? Like, but I, 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 why, why not? I don't think that Dungeons and Dragons. Not... Yeah, I think Dungeons and Dragons means more than just like the medium level of interactive storytelling. I, I mean, yeah, that's that is exactly what it is, right? Like it is, it is the game that you play around the table with your. It friends. It is also, I mean, it, it's also a setting, right? Like we could do. No, it's not. Fate is could... a setting. Grey Greyhawks is a setting. Dungeons and Dragons is not a setting. I think the the you, having a beholder, having the character classes, having them cast cure light wounds, right? That would get the that would get all of that stuff across like even even outside of forgotten realms or outside of greyhawk or kind of like whatever else those things are still uniquely D that you could construct a movie that has those pieces of the setting so have, having those like weird mechanical fictions in without any like kind of reference to what they are just feels like a like weird and contrived it's like an isekai without the protagonist which is like a, a weird thing to do like the the the, the reason that like those things work is because you can like call to contrast the fact that these this isn't how the world works, right? Like, I, I, I the spells have n- names in right. Like, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you just have the cleric cast a spell and then the ranger goes, "What spell is that?" And he goes, "Cure light wounds." I I, th- I think I think because right. specifically specifically because it is. It is recognizable. It's going. It, it, it would come off as weird to just kind of accept that as like the diegetic name without kind of like any any outward kind of uh, 
uh, a reference to to like the world. Like, uh, what's what's the example of this? Like, like this is like how video game movies work, and that's why they're all bad, right? Like, I, I think these kind of like weird nods to like video game mechanics without kind of like the 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 acknowledgement is a trap that a lot of video game movies fall into. Um, they're, you know, they, they kind of fall over their own two feet trying to be clever and just don't have, like, I, 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 I think I, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that you have the fighter hit someone and then the ranger goes, what was that? And he says, well, I took a feat last level called awesome blood. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but it just, the, the things in the things in like the, the basic player's handbook, um, have names and those names can be diegetic in the case of like spells, right? Sure. Wizards learn spells and those spells have names. Can you cast fly? I can probably only cast fly one or two more times today or something like that. Sure. You um, know, like I think that stuff would be completely fine. But I, I, I think, I think what you're basically describing is, is a video game movie. And I think that a lot of these things are the reason why video game movies don't go over very well. Um, because they like they 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 sit in an unhappy medium between not really capturing the game and also not being able to stand on their own. Well, so I also think that capturing like part of this process is capturing the narrative structure of it. Sure, right? and, and, that, you know, and, like, and that I don't people I don't think who have played structure... through the narrative structure of a D and D game will look at the narrative that narrative structure transposed on screen and be like, "Wow, that felt a lot like playing a D and D game." Uh, I I don't. One, I don't know if I think that's true. Like, because, because, like you said, it's basically a noir. People would be like, wow, that was a noir. That was weird. Why did they call that the Dungeons and Dragons movie? Right? I don't think like, that that's how people... No, I, you think people would go to that? I definitely don't think that's how people I don't work. Think, I people think people would people do either watch, thing, frankly. People I think people would be like, less, that was a weird thing to call the D&D movie. There was nothing about D&D in there. I don't think that's true. I feel like the top of, like, our movies or whatever, or, like, the most popular, like, reviews you, or something no, you're kind right. of along those lines. In three years, there would, would be, be a like, post on our movie details being like, this was just like a D&D campaign. And, like, four people would be like, I like that movie because it reminded me of D&D campaign. And we'd be like, yeah, but it wasn't really a D&D movie. I feel like, like you don't have a lot of, like, you don't, like, give a lot of credit to the the way people see movies. Like no. when when we like when we watch like Marvel movies and they do this like genre blend thing, we do this kind of thing all the time, right? Like where we talk about like, oh, Doctor Strange had you know like this kind of Hogwarts plot structure or something kind of along those sort of lines, right? Like or like Captain America: The Winter Soldiers is you know a nineteen seventies spy movie, uh, or or you know like that. That happens. We use these things as benchmarks to describe other right, things. Right, but that's so like I a minor so. part of the movie. You're not hanging the central conceit of the movie off of it, right? Like Captain America: The Winter Soldier is a Captain America movie first, right? Like, I don't know. This would be like if you were like writing like like called it like spy movie, or, you know, and made Captain America: Winter Soldier and be like that was weird. Why didn't they mention that my Captain America was in this movie? Like, I think that's kind of more the inverse problem. But like, I don't think I don't think you can hang the central conceit off the movie off of structure. I don't know. I feel like you can. I feel like I don't think you need to marry like, it to like the like so, the product nature of Dungeons and Dragons. So 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 let, let me rephrase that. I don't think you can hang the Dungeons and Dragons conceit off of just structure. 
Like, I don't think Dungeons and Dragons, the thing that you think of when you think of Dungeons and Dragons isn't plot structure, right? Like, because, you know, not what, first of all, not all plot structure works like that. I agree that, like, the best games do, but not all, but not all of them do. Um, and two, like, for, for, like, what the popular conception of D&D is, it isn't a plot structure. It's the game Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like, if you have Tommy Two Toes, who's like, hey, I want to go see a movie. I've heard about this Dungeons and Dragons thing. He's not going to be like, I heard about this plot structure that they all have. No, their conception of it is like you've got swords, and, like classic swords and sorcery. So, uh, right, yeah. I, don't, I mean... Okay, I don't see the I don't see like the problem that you're laying out. The problem I'm laying out is that calling something a Dungeons and Dragons movie and and like trying to hang that entire concept off of plot structures is is not a thing that 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 makes sense. But we talk about plot structure in terms of other movies all the like all the time. I, yeah, this is the, the, like I feel like I feel like the, the the here's the downside to the pitch that that you've put forward. I feel like. You end up with the emoji movie. Do you know what sure. I mean? Where like, it's yes, just like it's hard to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and I feel like you need something more. And and by the way, first of all, I've seen the emoji movie, and the emoji movie does legitimately try and like understand the way that teenagers interface with you know their phones and the way that they use their phones to communicate through emoji or whatever even if it is stupid and just like nakedly commercial or whatever but i feel like it would be a huge mistake to make a movie out of like even even like the lego movie like it does have that meta layer and everything like that but the meta layer also works on a storytelling level, right? Because it has things like, oh, he's the special, and it's this big send-up of Chosen One narratives, right? And so, like, I th- narrative structure does matter to the construction of these things. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying that it can't be the, the sub and substance of the thing. The reason, so I, if, I, the, I, if I, you I, played the Lego movie as a serious drama, it wouldn't work. It works because it's a comedy. So I don't think that the only thing this movie needs is that plot structure but i don't think that it needs a meta element for instance i think that i think that movie needs to echo real things about D, right it needs to have elves and dwarves that hate each other and low light vision you know what i mean maybe matters or something you know what i mean like the wizard casts fireball and it does what a fireball does or something you know like those sorts of things i think are absolutely important details whether or not it's in greyhawk or Faerun, you know what i mean like that's that stuff i feel like it's too granular but just like stuff in the phb right just like basic stuff gets referenced and that's fine um and I think that that is also an important piece of the construction. But I feel like if you make that movie, but you make it straight without echoing the narrative construction of the like the way a Dungeons and Dragons campaign like plays from an, on a narrative level, all you are doing is making the bad photocopy. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I absolutely you are, agree. You I just don't think from... your solution makes it good. I think your solution just makes it not as bad as it could be. I think you're like, or not bad, right? Like, I don't think that that's necessarily like what you're describing as a bad movie. I just don't think it makes it a thing I would call the Dungeons and Dragons movie. You don't um, think that just like it being set with 
in a world that has physics essentially that are the PHB physics is enough to make it the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So, so here, here, here's where I, I, I think this is where I think the problem is. I think that if you give it Dungeons and Dragons physics, that's weird, right? Like that's a thing that doesn't make sense from like a, like. This is like the like like the, the, I keep going back to this the isekai problem, right? Like, if it acts like a game world and you never acknowledge that it's a game, then it's weird. If you and then if you play and so the solution to that is to play it normal. But if you play it normal, then it's not Dungeons and Dragons anymore. So right? I, like, I mean, if the game world is a simulation of the real world, right? Right, but it's not a perfect simulation. That's the that's the thing, right? Like, but the, but like there are still things that, that you could transfer over. I feel like you know, like the ranger having an animal companion or whatever, and the animal companion being able to do animal companion things, um, like all of that stuff. So so I I think. I, I think, this isn't so, me so, saying so, so, that the so, movie should be each play, like each character moving along the grid, right? But it is saying things like, the you know, a ranger has an animal companion and so, uses a bow, and a wizard can't cast more than two fireballs per day or whatever. So, so, so the thing that's happening is that, um, in order to make it, uh, in order to make it like not so attached to the rules that it doesn't make sense, right? Like that you're, you know, running along the grid line. You have to kind of like flood the simulation to blend it down to archetype. The problem is that these archetypes are adaptations of fantasy in the first place, right? Like the ranger having a pet isn't a thing from D&D. It's a thing from greater fantasy that they adopted to D&D, right? And so you're adopted. This is like the, you know, you're basically taking the ranger, translating it to Chinese and translating it back to English again and trying to to, info, to, to capture D&D and that. What you're really doing is getting a grading photocopy of the original source material in fantasy. Um, see, I think, the, I think the unique plaque structure, this is not something that we see in fantasy movies, is enough to counteract that, right? Uh, e- even, even outside of, like, a D&D kind of, like, piece of it, I think that would just be an engaging way to structure a movie to sure. get people out of, you know, like, in, in a certain sense, it's almost, co- like, compensating for the generic nature of, like, a, like the Dungeons & Dragons setting in general. If that is, if that is like, your point, I don't actually agree with all of that. Like, I think the PHB is kind of nuanced enough that even if it is sort of uh, archetypal, I wouldn't call it, like... I, like I, I don't think that you just end up readapting the Lord of the Rings. Well, it's not necessarily you... Lord of the Rings. It's like it's like fantasy conventions in general, right? Yeah, like... I guess I guess the point I'm making is almost that like those fantasy conceptions have been like supersumed by the Dungeons and Dragons conception, right? And so like the idea of a of a ranger with an animal companion or a cleric that casts cure light wounds is almost more of a Dungeons and Dragons construction at this point. Than I, it I is don't agree with that. Like a like, generic fantasy construction. I, I, I think that I think that I think that at the point where you make it recognizably D and D it's weird. It's weird game logic and the point where it where you cross back over the line it's just generic fantasy of 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 any sort. Um, it's like weird. Lord. I, I like, and I don't, you think... don't think people would just like, accept like throw, you know, like I'm a wizard. I cast a fireball and you know, the fighter's like, wow, can you do that again? He's like, I can only do it one more, you know, once more today kind of thing like that, that it's not referencing like, Oh, I have prepared a certain, 
you know, like any, any of the game mechanics, but sure. just kind of like, like on a, so, yeah, he only has enough power uh, to cast two fireballs sure, a day. Sure, sure, but I don't think, I, I think that at that point, you're basically out in generic D&D, or generic fantasy land, rather, again. You're not, like, you're not concretely tied to D&D enough to make it make sense. Right, like you're just you're just making a generic fantasy movie and slapping D and D on it. Like I don't yeah, see. Think... I think the plot structure is the thing that saves it from being generic. No fantasy movie has that plot structure. I mean, but what... it could, right? Like that that plot structure isn't unique to D. Like so, it is unique to D and D in the sense that it has not been done before. Of course, it, like you know, the Dresden Files is essentially this, right? Like which is basically like adult Harry Potter. Like I, I feel like Harry uh, adult Potter Harry is Potter is too. not is not fantasy, right? It's not generic fantasy. I'm, Harry Potter kind of is generic fantasy, right? Like, I think gen- those are two. Are you are you saying that that Dungeons the, and Dragons and Harry Potter are both generic fantasy? They're completely different. No, the Lord no, of the so, Rings so, and so Harry I, Potter I, are different. So I think so. So let, let, let me let me be clear. I'm not saying that Harry Potter is generic. I'm saying that the kind of the things that they build themselves on top of are generic bases, right? Like that, like the the kind of the 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 substrate that it's built on top of is generic. And that without kind of like the D&D trappings, it's just it's, it's just a, 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 another fantasy. Like it, maybe generic stronger. It's just another fantasy movie. It's not something that's recognizably D&D, right? Like, well, so I do think the D&D trappings are a necessary portion of the puzzle, right? I just don't think I, – I want to be clear. I don't think you need to marry yourself to Forgotten Realms or to Eberron or to, you know, what's the dr- dragon something – Dragon Reach? I can't remember what it's called. There's like a dragon one. Um, I don't. I don't think you need to do. You need to root yourself in any of the specific campaign settings, right? But and like and to a certain extent, that means you can just have beholders, right? Or you can have the iconic, you know, specific to D and D specific monsters. You can have illithids or whatever. Um, and I think all of that that kind of stuff works. But in a, in a, in a lot of ways, I feel like if you were to go bigger. Or make larger references to a campaign setting that would kind of be a mistake. So, um, so here, here, here's what I'm going to say, right? Like, uh, uh, Vin Diesel had a movie called The Last Witch Hunter. I have no idea if it's any good or not. So, quality aside, right? Like, that was famously an adapted D and D campaign, right? I think you could do that. I think you could make uh, you could make the movie that you're making um, or that you're describing, and it would be a fine and entertaining movie. Um, I, I think that people would go and watch that movie and come out of it and say, like, that felt like a D&D campaign. That's not a thing I would call the Dungeons & Dragons movie because I don't think that's a match for what the Dungeons & Dragons movie wants to be. The only is, way you can make a Dungeons & Dragons movie is with a meta layer. That, that is that – is, a thing called the Dungeons & Dragons movie, yes, that, that, is, that, is my, okay. that is my contention. If if you wanted to make a thing that felt like a D and D campaign, right? Like, which I guess could be a valid answer to this question. Your idea sounds great. I just wouldn't because I, I feel like what you're describing is you're kind of almost in a weird way conflating the idea of Dungeons and Dragons and like tabletop games. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess I would agree with you if this was tabletop gaming, the movie, or something along those kinds of lines. I, I feel like, right? but, I, I but feel Dungeons like... and Dragons is something specific. You know what I right, mean? but it's specifically a tabletop game, right? Like, I don't. Does that like, mean every? So every tabletop game has to have that. You can't have like, okay, there's a Dungeons and Dragons movie, a Pathfinder movie, a Vampire the Masquerade movie. They're all coming out. They all have to have a metal layer. So, so, buddy, in response to your question about like if this is necessary for Pathfinder 
or vampires the masquerade um i think that uh vampires and things like Shadowrun um and other things that genre that have like a centrally defined setting and lore you can get away with that because they have those set rules and lore to them right like um, Dunkelhine or whatever the name of the dragon is in Shadowrun is always in Shadowrun. Every game of Shadowrun kind of happens in that setting. You could theoretically play it elsewhere, but there's a canonical setting. Um, similarly, I think if you wanted to make the Rune movie or the, you know, uh, the, 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 the buddies, you know, buddies setting for D&D movie, I think you could do that and do your thing and have it not feel weird. But if you're calling it the Dungeons and Dragons movie, because Dungeons and Dragons is a generic, uh, it's kind of a generic toolbox for fantasy, uh, for fantasy RPGs. It feels weird to kind of nail it to any particular, any particular setting. Yeah, I, so I, I do think that nailing it to a particular setting is incorrect, right? But I think that you can include enough kind of like flags and markers because there's enough kind of shared basis uh, inside of the PHB the, and the so, monster so, manual so my, my, and stuff like that have, that like. You don't need to signal Eberron or Forgotten Realms or whatever or but Greyhawk. You, you you have to at some point like you, you can't not have a setting for your movie, right? Like it, it it like because your movie will have a setting and that setting can't possibly be representative of D D because D D isn't nailed to a setting. Um right? Like it's not like you're hap like unless you're really a send up and you're in like Generia, the generic fantasy land, like that I don't think I don't think it it, it works as the D and D movie. See, yeah, I like, think that's a that's a set of scale. You know, like that's like a scale thing, right? If you make it about something small, just this town in this dungeon or whatever the case may be, right? Like you don't need to make references to like super Faerun things. I mean, maybe the only thing I would say is like you probably need a cleric with a god, and you might name that god whatever you know something or whatever but i don't think that like the, really my point is that i don't think you need to you need to like hardcore marry yourself you don't need to make the the Faerun movie in order to make the dungeons and dragons movie i think you can make the dungeons and dragons movie and it be you know uh in in a setting that is mildly transposable yeah i i just i don't know i just feel it would feel weird calling that the dungeons and dragons movie um are there are there any movies that you have gone to and that you've come out of and been like that remind like that's a lot like a tabletop gaming pers- like like movie? Uh, I don't think none, none come to mind because I agree that that plot structure isn't unique, but I think that this application would be unique enough that people would you know like that people would kind of like understand where it comes from um, and 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 how it works in a way this is why i like i mean this is why i like the hobbit movies even though they are bad they feel like a tabletop game you know what i mean and i have a fun time watching them because in a certain sense i can almost kind of see past the movie and and get that feeling of playing a tabletop game not like in a true sense, but in like a, a simulacra or like a like a facsimile kind of way, where it just like vaguely resembles the way that a D and D campaign is constructed, right? Um, and that's what that's how I can get into that movie, even though you know, like it has all of these problems and is not a good movie or whatever. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, and I don't. And think I think, that... and I think that there are other movies that are probably like that. Though I kind of have a tough time thinking of. Uh, I probably have a tough time thinking of them. Uh, well, actually, that's not entirely true. But I mean, I think this is kind of part of what I like about Rogue One. Actually, um, is that it I was reminds say, me a like, lot of your other favorite, The Seven Samurai, and all of its adaptations. Kind of have that feeling. Yeah, yeah, like, they, they kind of have that, like, core, you know, like, that's part of what makes, like, the tabletop gaming stuff fun, I guess. I don't know. I definitely do think it is, like, I, I think that's an approach you could take with kind of, like, a meta layer and everything like that. But I think that you could do, you could make a and d movie that is just straight, you know, um, that doesn't, like, in a way, I, I don't know how you would introduce a meta layer without it being... A comedy? I feel like it yeah, has to no, be a comedy. It either has to be work. a comedy or D&D has to be, like, a device for, like, like I said, like, coming of age or something like that, right? Like, metaphors and whatnot. Yeah. Right? Like, when the kid... Like, like kind of like the never-ending story, right? Like, um, where, like, you know, slaying the dragon is really, like, the kid standing up yeah, to see, the bully oh, or God, something see, like See, this that. is another thing. I fucking hate those movies. Yeah, know, a new the, one just came out called Wonder Park. Um, there have been like a million previews for it, and funnily, it doesn't even have a director because um, <laughs> the director got just, like, fired. Itself. <laughs> yeah, the director got fired. I think like halfway through the production for like sexual abuse stuff. Oh god! Oh god! And they just movie. never hired a new director, so like it just doesn't have a director. Um, but I, I always hate those fucking, like, uh, The Book of Henry is one of these movies, A Monster Calls, though apparently A Monster Calls is good. Um, but, like, these kind of, like, magical realism metaphor movies about, or whatever. Because I feel like, the, the my problem with that is that, like, I want it to be about the game world, if it's going to be the Dungeons & Dragons movie. And if you are making a Dungeons & Dragons movie that's about, like, some kid standing up to his fucking bully, like, that does not feel Dungeons & Dragons to me. Do you know what yeah, I mean? No, no, I, I absolutely agree. I would, I like, I mean, I like the comedy angle, right? Like, I think there's a lot of comedy to mind there. I also, like, like I said, I like, like, Diasakai idea is also a comedy angle, generally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they play Sword Art straight, but everybody hates Sword Art. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Honestly, that's, literally, my yeah. only exposure to sword art is 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 mother's basement videos. Me too. So, you know, I might be a little bit slanted, um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, I, the good news, Mango, is that they are finally adapting Dora the Explorer, and Boots the Monkey is being played by Danny Fucking Trejo. So I, I saw that. And it's a CGI movie, right? Is I don't know. Kind of I know the trailer came out, but I never plays... saw the trailer. Isn't it kind of an insult to whoever plays Boots that he just got, like, replaced? Like, he's been probably <laughs> been Boots for, like, 13 years on PBS or whatever, you know, right? That, like... that, yeah, that's true. I mean, in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, they did not replace any of the voice actors. Come on, Dora. Yeah. Yeah, Dora. Step up your fucking game. <laughs> I just, like, am so, uh, I'm just, like, so flabbergasted that there is a Dora the Explorer more, movie. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually not, um, just because, like, that seems like a, a home run uh, kids movie, right? I'm just surprised that, like, I'm surprised it's just not, like, a feature-length version of the kids show. Yeah, yeah. It is weird how straight they are playing the Dora the Explorer movie. <laughs> Oof, next we're gonna find out that who who would be who would be good for uh, 
for Swiper. Who's, who's <laughs> uh, Ron Perlman. <laughs> Actually, I think the best answer to that is Christopher Walken. <laughs> Can you imagine? Swiper, no. Swiping. <laughs> well, that would be Christopher Walken as Dora. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it would also oh. be a trip. that's the transition i guess to our weeks weeks, a trailer came out that neither of us watched apparently yeah nope Uh, (laughs) to be right well it's it's been two weeks so how, how were your past two weeks uh good i guess um I have been playing so an interesting game that I've been playing that I wanted to talk about is Anno twenty twenty two oh five, which, which is a, a like a which Ubisoft. one because they've got like seven hundred of them. They're all different years. Yeah, there are, are fucking gazillion Anno movies or uh, games. Um, Anno sixteen oh two is the very first one, and I played that one when I was in I think like middle school. Like they had it in the computer lab because it was like vaguely the educational. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh. Anno 2205 is the most recent, uh, excuse me, incarnation of the Anno movie, or the Anno games, and I bought it on, like, a Steam sale a long time ago, and I know that Anno 1800 is coming out soon. I think it comes out uh, next month. Um, So, I wanted to, you know, like, I wanted to, like, give it a shot, and boy, is that is that game super fucking addicting. It is exactly the kind of, like, City Builder, which which appeals to me in the sense of it has this, like, production line. You just, like, the it, it's one of those things where it presents you with a system, and then it's, like, optimize it. Make it efficient. Like, make it an effective you have all these different people with all of these these different like wants and needs and i need you to like meet those wants and needs and it's like so complicated that it gets uh that it just like gets so fun just from like an organizational standpoint have you ever played like a game like this it's not it's not like a spreadsheet game uh, because you are putting, like, buildings down. But you're not pu- putting buildings down for, like, aesthetic reasons or anything kind of along those lines. You're putting buildings down because they produce items that your citizens want, and then your citizens are going to start wanting more items, you know, and then you put down more buildings, and you just kind of, like, keep going. The thing that makes it cool is that there are different kind of biomes. There is a, a temperate biome, an arctic biome, a lunar biome, and a tundra biome. Uh, and you need to constantly be sending items like across the different you know like with like trade routes and stuff like that um across to your different cities in order to keep things uh in order to keep things operational right like you know the arctic guys really like moon crops for some reason so you better make sure that you build a moon colony and a bunch of moon crops so that you can send moon crops to the arctic guys or whatever um I it's I want to call these games like strategy games, but they don't feel like strategy games in the same way that like a typical 4X game does. You know what I mean? Because like really there's not all that much X going on. Um whether it's exploration, there's a little bit of exploitation, I suppose, um and stuff like that. But I don't know. I it is a, it is a weird subgenre of games that I find 
interesting and that I played an absolute fuck ton of, especially because I had strep throat earlier this week uh, and I was just kind of like confined to my computer, not really doing shit. <laughs> so, so, so is it like, uh, was it, is it like, is it like, uh, like Dwarf Fortress almost? Boy. Maybe I've never played Dwarf Fortress, but okay. I think it is probably close to Dwarf Fortress. Yes, or like RimWorld. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in especially because like um, the uh, the way some of the so, like some of the mechanics behave remind me a little bit of some of these kind of like exploratory sort of you know like games uh because you have a fleet of military vessels or whatever and over time it gets like upgraded or whatever and every once in a while you'll kind of be kicked to like a combat thing where you're you're moving your fleet around the map and your fleet can do stuff and shit like that uh this is the earlier versions of anno you had ships that behaved this way but they behaved this way on like the map itself uh now you move into an instanced version of that map Okay. Yeah. okay. Part of it is also that because, like, each of the different maps are instanced, that feels a little bit strange, right? Like, the Arctic map is an instance different than the lunar map is an instance different than, you know, the temperate map. Yeah, that, that is weird. I've no, I don't think I've ever played anything quite like that. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds interesting. It's, it's the thing that shows up in my queue every once in a while um, on Steam. Um, uh, any, anything else that you've been playing that you want to talk about? Uh, I've been going back to World of Warcraft recently. I don't really know why. I just kind of ended up doing Gave it. Up on Anthem. Of, uh, <clears throat> so I put Anthem down because uh, a couple of weeks ago they broke loot by decreasing drop rates of like good items or whatever. Well, they um, didn't break it. They fixed it. That was like the whole controversy, right? Like, well, it was so, so the it loot was, was the way fun. it was, right? There was like loot 1.0. Then they released a patch, and as part of the patch, loot shot into the air, right? I didn't get to play, and this actually happened twice, um, after two hotfixes. Uh, both times, loot was crazy for a while. Uh, I didn't get to play for either of those periods, but there was a difference between that first period and kind of the like the current period or whatever. Um, and But they said they were, they were going to fix it, and I was like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm going to come back when they fix it. Uh, so they announced on a stream that I think this week... They're applying uh, a big kind of content patch, and they're changing a lot of the ways. Like they're they're making the loot drop rates better uh, for end game content. But the big thing that they're doing is they are changing the way that you interface with strongholds. So now you get a thing called an Elysian cache every day, um, which is a special hard mission that you run. And at the end of that mission, you get a key, and then you go complete a hard stronghold, and then at the end of that stronghold, there's a chest, and you put the key in the chest, and you get, like, super crazy items or whatever. Um, so that's, like, that is their big change to, like, the end game kind of content spiral is these Elysian, uh, is these Elysian caches that are coming out. Um, so that's probably what I'm going to get back into. That's probably what I'm going to get back into Anthem. But yeah, so 8.1.5 just came out um, that the 
8.1.5 came out, which is the new stuff with the Kultirans and the Zandalari actually joining as allied races. Um, and so you can, like, and you can do that stuff. But they also included, war, uh, like, like new chapters in the war campaign um, because it means... The, 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 I, I'm trying not to spoil it, but I want to talk about it. <laughs> um, uh, you, you want to put a spoiler? You know what? I, I would... So... Put a pin in that for like a minute, okay. right? Because I I also want to talk about some spoilers for Devil May Cry Five. Okay, so hit me. Hit the, me. Let, let's, so we'll, we'll say that like, what, I'll just so I'll go over the first the things I, I I have done otherwise without the spoilers. Then we'll go into spoiler zone for both WoW and DMC Five. Um, I've been playing Sekiro. Sekiro's fun. It's a front the front south game. It's frustrating in this way that all Souls games are. Um, Looking forward to playing more of that. Um, I beat DMC5 on normal. I know I'm a scrub, mm-hmm. but that game is so much fun. It's just like bleed style and so goofy. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. But uh, that and like Destiny, this, the Destiny grind has been my been my jam for the uh, for the past two weeks. So that, that's what I've been playing. But from this point forward, um, we'll do your spoilers first for, for the uh, WoW stuff and then I'll talk about some of the uh the the dmc stuff that i thought was cool but you can go for it go for that okay yeah so the so the so the wow stuff is in in the early iteration of the war campaign right one of the cool things that you do is you find the body of Derek proudmore who's Jaina's brother um you find the body of Derek Proudmore and you bring it and it's like, oh, well, obviously Derek Proudmore is going to get fucking like raised as a Forsaken. And so that is precisely what happens. Derek Proudmore gets raised as a Forsaken and Sylvanas is like, well, I'm going to mind control him to be a sleeper assassin and send him to the Proudmores. And they're going to be like, oh, look, our brother is fucking back. And then he's going to like stab him. Um, this obviously is like super like gross and underhanded. So Bane Bloodhoof, the Torin chieftain um gets Derek and sent and before sylvanas is able to like mind wash him or whatever um and sends him to Jaina. and there's like a small interaction with Jaina and bane um on like theramore island uh which is like super drams um and then after that sylvanas is like bane you're a fucking traitor and i'm sending you to jail uh <laughs> and there's something that just feels so good. I've talked about this before. There's something that just feels so good from a story perspective about playing the, like a World of Warcraft where the main characters are these faction leaders that have been in place for so long, right? Like Jaina and Sylvanas are super long running characters. Even Bane is like a character that has been, uh, you know, like making big decisions for three or four expansions now, right? And that's something that I really felt was kind of, like, missing from the Legion story in the sense that, like, yeah, Illidan came back and, like, Maiev was back and stuff like that, um, but nothing ever really felt, like, permanent or impactful because it was only really dealing with these characters that had either been, like, just introduced, right? Like, the Nightborn stuff, right? We we never had any Bennett... We never had any interactions with the Nightborn before today, so it's not like you know, the Nightborn or the struggles of the High Mountain Torrin or anything along those lines um, have, like, big lasting consequences um, because they, they they aren't, like, set up in those kinds of, in those kinds of terms. Um, and it's something that I really, like, missed from sort of, like, the Legion storyline. Even, like, the, the 
Turalyon and, and Illyria stuff on Argus, which was, like, good. And I think that and uh, the, um, whatever the dream place is called, I can't even remember. Uh, the forest with the fucking druids. Shit, what is that forest called? The Emerald Dream? Uh, yeah, like, all of that stuff with, oh, Taranda and, uh... The Emerald Nightmare? And, like, Xavius. I'm just gonna look up the Legion map. It's gonna be on the fucking Legion map. Volshara is what I... Oh, thinking. okay. Yeah, so the Volshara storyline was very good, because it was dealing with some of these things, right? Like, Taranda and Malfurion have both been characters for like fucking forever and then Xavius has been referenced a million times Ysera dying was like a huge huge like piece of the puzzle and that's not something that you, I got in any of the other zones in Legion um, and I feel like I'm getting it all the time in Battle for Azeroth because all of these characters are characters that are like Toronto, Malfurion you know like Ysera right even stuff like Rastakhan dying that is no longer like the it, it, essentially what it used to be i feel like is the norm was old characters which were these little blips of light surrounded by all of this kind of like new lore right whereas for battle for azeroth everything is like old and well established and there's a couple of new characters in places right that we are that we're like interacting with with like Talanji and Rastakhan dying and shit like that um <clears throat> so fucking good 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 job World of Warcraft your story is good so, so is, is that where we're at right now that uh that Bane's in jail yeah so nobody oh. knows what's coming next um because the next patch is the as Shara patch um and so, yeah, it is. Buh, I we, we we don't we don't know what's we don't know what's on the horizon. I'm very I'm very excited. And so, so, so so how has well been for the uh, for the past six uh, months I, in terms of like content? I mean, I played it a lot until maybe December, four months, and then I basically took two or three months off um, from WoW because. You know, I just like wasn't I like wasn't super feeling it, but all of a sudden um, I've been getting back into it. M m like one of the big reasons that I've gotten back into it is these allied races, and I sort of think that it's really clever construction. Um, so, like one of the things that I find interesting about these sorts of lifestyle games is they kind of t have to manage two modes of gameplay at the same time. I feel like they have to manage these like shotgun bursts of content, right? Where you know the it's the patch day, all of the new stuff is out and it's attracting a lot of players to the game, right? But then they also have to have, like, a bottom-level set of of content that is the grind, and they have, to people, they have to keep people on board for the grind, right? Um, and the clever thing that they have done in... Or maybe not clever, but the clever thing that they have done in Battle for Azeroth is they have taken... The, the you know like all of the patch day stuff is still there right and has always been there but they have taken one of their big core headlining features which are these allied races in the heritage armor and they have made it that low level grind right so you need to grind out your honor bound rep or whatever it is in order to get uh magar orcs and in order to get dark iron dwarves right you need to grind out proud more admiralty rep in order to get cool tyrans you need to grind out zandalar empire rep in order to get Zandalari. Um, and then those 
those grinds themselves need you to create an alt character that you go all the way through the thing and get the heritage armor, you know, like get the heritage armor for them or whatever. Um, and I think that most people hate this and I understand why they hate this, but I actually kind of feel like it is a clever way in down in like pieces of downtime to keep me engaged with the game because you know i do that thing where i log on i complete a bunch of world quests to get my rep up and then i I log out kind of thing do you know what i mean yeah no absolutely destiny kind of has a similar thing in that this is actually the biggest controversy right now um is that in order to upgrade your uh your weapons in light level right uh it's essentially an item level. You need to infuse it with a piece of higher gear, but that costs a currency that's relatively limited. They're called enhancement cores. Um, and uh, people are mad because they want to keep upgrading their stuff, but they can't because it's the, the enhancement cores are relatively rare. Um, uh, and I'm kind of on the side that I think that that's, that's it's good because it forces me to play, forces me to play with different guns as I'm leveling up. Um, Maybe after four seasons of it, I'll be tired of it. Um, since it's taken me a couple of weeks, I'll probably be at max light level uh, in total by like by the end of next week. Um, I'm starting to hit like top level gear right now, but um, kind of having to switch off of things is something that I find fun, right? Like I get to try guns that I normally wouldn't try, um, et cetera, et cetera. But people are so furious that they have to, they just can't use the gun that they want to and all the PvE activities, and I kind of get, like, wanting to do that, but it, it just, it just feels, it's just interesting to see kind of, like, like, you, like, you know, the grind is to get more enhancement cores, um, and frankly, the solution is to just, like, not upgrade your weapons until you're, you're at max, but I understand why people just want to use the gun, their favorite gun, uh, all the time, so it's, it's an interesting balancing act. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it is a bigger question in a way because it's one of those things where people don't want the grind, but they do want the grind. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like this is what people um, who say, you know, like when developers say things like, you know, you think you want this, but you you don't or whatever it is. Right. Um, I feel like what they're talking about is the grind. Uh, because you want the thing, you want this to be your lifestyle game. You want to come in and play every day and be rewarded for that, right? And in, you know, in World of Warcraft, it is your uh, your like w- uh, your world quest emissaries or whatever. Um, there's like that similar system, obviously in uh, fucking um, shit. Uh, there's that. I can't yeah. remember what they're, what they're called in, in Destiny, but they have a similar system in Destiny. They have a similar system in Diablo or whatever, right? And it's about getting people to kind of, like, swallow the grind that they really want without making them feel like that they are grinding. Because I think it's important for, you know, de- like, developers can't keep promising content. It's kind of impossible to do that, right? Like, at a certain point, it's just like the demands of a of, of the player base are just too ravenous. For well, any company. That, that's that, that's the real problem is people don't want uh, don't want to grind and they don't want like what they want is infinite content, but that's impossible, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, um, so the grind can kind of like take up part of that. It just can't be too grindy, or else. I, I think I think part of it. The more I play these things. Um, is that there's a 
there's a regularity problem. Like, so a big thing that they announced at, at, uh, at uh, this week at Bungie last week is uh, that they're getting like, so the, the way to get these right now is you either get them randomly off of disassembling weapons that you have, or you get them when you assemble something, you also might get a thing called a scrapper bounty, which is like a, I mean, basically another bounty. It's just a thing to do. Um, and if you do it, you get an enhancement core. But they're kind of, they're random drops, right? So they're not reliable. Um, as a result, uh, I think that, uh, and so that what they announced is that they're changing it. So you're going to get rid of the scrapper bounties and make them kind of like daily and weekly bounties on a vendor that doesn't do anything or does is underutilized right now. Um, and people people's response to like, you know, no, you just don't get it. Just take enhancement cores off of the enhancement and that'll solve the problem. Um, I think that the problem is that'll make it too easy to to level things. It's just that people, like, I think that that's an example of a thing, you know, like you don't know what you want type of thing um, where like, I think that system will ultimately like uh, play itself out relatively well because it'll be reliable and you'll be able to do it. And you won't have to rely on luck. I think I think that's the biggest problem is things that rely too much on luck to do um, can be frustrating. Like uh, especially if the luck if if the luck's kind of like on a longer scale, right? Like uh, what what happened in, in this game that, that that's relevant to this? Um, <coughs> there's like a couple different uh, objectives or a couple different things that are randomized per week, but they're kind of universally randomized, right? Like what strikes are on nightfall and what frames are available in the black armory to, to farm, which are which are guns to do. Um, and like mm. one of the strikes and one of the frames hasn't been around for 10 weeks. Um, and this isn't like, this is like a thing that's randomly drawn every week and everybody's kind of like bungee. What, what, what the hell? Um, and the reason is because it's completely random and I don't, and I like, I, I think the way you solve this is you make it, uh, is you make it a, what's it called? You, you make it a rotation, right? Yeah, that um, seems very dumb. <laughs> I feel like I, no, I, is, I, yeah. I, I absolutely agree. But I, I think I, it, it seems like, it seems like a thing that seems smart on face. Like, oh, it'll just be random every week. It's like, no, you just, just make, makes it's in some way a rotation. That way we, we you know, we, you guarantee that what you'll, you'll be able to see the thing that you want every once in a while. Um, and so, and so, I think I think that's that, that's the thing, right? Like making everything too random causes problems. Like, this. does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely understand where where you're coming from, and I, um, uh, I don't know. I'm interested. I'm like perpetually interested by like the construction of these lifestyle games. It's like so hard and i just kind of like wish we would leave them all alone and we would all be like okay can we go back to like games that we'd like binge really hard or whatever instead of expecting to like keep us occupied for years on end uh <clears throat> but that's kind of you know that obviously doesn't make any like practical sense yep yep absolutely um so devil may cry stuff how familiar are you with devil may cry i am not familiar at all I have um, no idea about any of it. So, uh, the plot of this. Uh, so, do, do do you know who Dante is? Uh, is he the son of Dracula? No, that's Castlevania. Yeah, that, and that's uh, that's uh, what is it? Alucard. Yeah. You see what they did there. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, uh, no, so Dante is, uh, so uh, it's, it's Dante and his twin brother Virgil are kind of the, the central figures of this story. Um, if for those of you who are history buffs at home, Dante is, is, is Dante as in Dante's Inferno. Um, Virgil is Dante's companion in, in the Inferno. Um, so it's, it's a reference there, although I'm not, con- it's, it's, you know, nothing more than kind of a name reference. Also, there's weird, basically uh, they had a dad who was a devil and a mom who's, I think she, she's a human in the main series of the reboot that lasted for a game. She was an angel, not really important. Uh, but, uh, uh, what do they say? They say he woke up to justice and he defended humans. And so basically, he's basically a half demon, demon hunter, kind of like Blade, but for demons. Um, and so uh, the past four games uh, have been like. So the, the continual struggle is between Dante and his twin brother Virgil, and they fight a bunch. And Virgil's kind of like the nerdy one, and uh, Dante's the, uh, the crazy cool guy one. Um, and it just, it, it keeps escalating like the four and now this game kind of centered around Nero, who is Virgil's son, but Virgil didn't know that Virgil had a son until the end of this game. It's actually great. You get a line that's like, they're, they're, Dante is fighting with Virgil because that's how these games always have to go. He's like, something, he's like, oh, your son's down there. He's like, I don't care about my son. And then you go to the cutscene and... and Virgil's like, wait, I have a son, um, <laughs> and so it, it's just, oh, it's 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 so it's 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 so. All right, so let, let me give you an example. So, so you you've seen any of the promotional stuff? Do you know who V is? No, have you seen V? I have no idea. Oh, you you haven't seen any of the promotional material for this? Uh, I have not. Nope, I have not. Okay, I have so seen v- like the. Maybe like the donkey video? Did he put out a video? I think I saw that. Yeah, he did. Um, <clears throat> so V is like a goth dude with a uh, with a, with a griffin and a cat and a another demon that he fucks stuff up with. He's a lot of fun to play, but uh, the wackadoodle part is, and this is big spoilers, is V is Virgil took his his sword Yamato. Uh, which is a katana, and stabbed himself in the chest and separated his human self from his demon self, and V is his human self. And now V is trying to, is repentant, and trying to take down his demon self with the help of Dante, who wields the sword Rebellion, um, which is another, so Dante's, Virgil's dad, Sparta, took his sword and split it into three swords, Yamato, Rebellion and Sparta, which was a sword. Um, and through the course of this game, Rebellion gets destroyed, and then Sparta, which is like a big crescent, but it looks kind of like a, like a Soul, Cal- Soul Edge from the Soul Calibur games. Um, it's got like a big eye in it. Dante stabs himself with that sword and turns himself into like a super demon. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes and uh, they fight a bunch. And then, uh, and then, so Dante defeats, so Demon Virgil is trying to grow a fruit in a tree that is feeding on the blood of humans, and if he eats that fruit, he will become the king of the underworld. Um, and Dante defeats him, and then V, 
V like recombines with the demon self, and then he becomes regular Virgil again, and then he's still an asshole, and so they fight a bunch. It's it's it is 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 like this like weird like weirdly melodramatic like like uh uh you know uh, Nero has just, just finds out that Virgil's his dad is like no you guys can't fight anymore you're my dad and you're my uncle stop it um but then like in the middle of the game like freaking Dante gets a hat that gets made by their armorer who is the granddaughter of the woman who made his original guns and the daughter of a person that Dante killed in the last game who was like a part of a weird angel cult <coughs> and uh, uh and so she gives him a hat and then he does a Michael Jackson dance like right in the middle of this like super serious scene like complete with like high-pitched woos and grabbing his crotch and dancing it is uh. it is the most insane fucking like campy thing and I love it. I, I, I can't get enough of it. It has been I I, I like I said if you down normal I'm gonna go back to it once I finish Sekiro. Jesus. Uh yeah. It's uh it's 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 a good time. I highly recommend it to everybody out there. Um if you can get your hands on a copy, uh check it out. It's it's an act character action game. Um I feel like those target a very particular type of person. Um, I don't know how I, I, I've kind of stumbled into it because of uh, I, the super, or, you know, the, the corpse of the super best friends. Uh, they were big into those types of games. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing this week. Yeah. Uh, but, okay. uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're at about time. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I did have some other stuff I want to talk about, but I feel like that can wait until a little bit later. Uh, I will. Uh, I, I just wanna. I just wanna ask: Have you seen the HBO series Barry? No. We actually might even like want to do a cast in this. Barry is a uh, is a comedy series starring Bill uh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Oh, is and, this where he's like an assassin? Yeah, he's he's a hitman that comes to that comes to Los Angeles and and wants to be an actor. Um, I, I literally start, I, I started watching it and then I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. Uh, and so I waited for Rachel to get up and then we sat down and we watched the entire thing end to end. Uh, cause it's only like eight episodes or something like that. So it actually doesn't take all that long, but I was just like immediately hooked. <laughs> so yeah, I highly recommend Barry for anybody. Uh, and yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Bill Hader fan, so I'll have to check it out. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to email us and tell us what you would think would make the perfect Dungeons and Dragons movie, or about how much you like DMC Five or World of Warcraft, or any of the other things you talked about on the we talked about on the show, you can reach us at subdervesplaygames at gmail dot com or uh, podcast at subdervesplaygames dot com. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes, leave us a comment wherever. We passed ten thousand total listens, so thank you, dear listeners. Um, I think that's everything I had. Uh, Buddy, do you have anything else that you wanted to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. Uh, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.